right, here we go. This is Todd Adams. This is Gabby Adams. Welcome back, Zen Parenting Radio. We have a power-packed, punchy little <laughs> 45 minutes for you, or a half hour. Um, this is what we're talking about, real quick. Uh, surviving middle school. Yes. Critical awareness. Um, tournament of bad. Tournament of bad is at the end. I know, it's a tease. And okay. then we're going to continue on with our series of 11 things I wish every parent knew. So last week we did one, two, three. And this week we're doing four, five, six. And um, But I do like to talk about what our show is about. Zen Parenting Radio, a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you. Hello. And a logical and practical dad, that's me. We have three daughters, five, eight, and ten. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent. But more importantly, to become a better... You. That's right. A conscious you. Conscious living. Conscious living. So, but now we're set up like with this mixer and it's a little weird because there's wires everywhere. Todd's Sir Mix-a-Lot over there. And we have... He's like a producer. And we have sound effects and I'm going to turn it up so we can hear it. So you might get some sound effects. At least that's the whole... We've got like a real mixing board and like Todd's got all these things and he's like got a whole new job. Todd, how many jobs do you have? Is this like the... Just the hundredth job you've come up with. So I, I just because I'm like a kid in a candy store right uh-huh. now. Your headphones are going to fall off. I by know. The way. I told you I need new headphones. Um, I just need to put a few different um, things on. Blue, you're my boy. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And then I can't do that one because that's inappropriate. I am McLovin. All right, so you're going to get some <laughs> weird sound effects. We're going to have some McLovin today. I got about. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six times five. We have 30 different sound effects. We're not going to get through them all today. No, I think that people would turn us off if we did 30 sound Maybe effects. Maybe they already have turned us off. <laughs> all right. And then we're also right. We used to always tape when with our knees touching next to each other. And now we're across the table. Across the table. Like this is a real radio station. I know. I said like when I was putting on my earphones, this is like the real deal. Real deal. As if we weren't the real deal before. And now we are just because of the equipment. So let's get into it. Let's start with critical awareness. Okay. What is critical awareness? Well, I wanted to talk about critical awareness because I think that it helps us get perspective on everything that we're dealing with in life. I, the To give the definition and you... Here's the thing is I love, you know, as I've talked about Brene Brown on this show before and many of you know her now because she's become somewhat... Famous mm. in the world of personal she, growth. Doesn't she have the most uh, downloaded TED Talk of all time? Well, she's definitely in the top 10, if not the most. And, um, you know, she's doing the Oprah thing now, too. She's going to be on a life class coming up. She's already done a super soul. She's got a friend in Oprah. She's got a friend in Oprah, all right. So, anyway, but that's great because she reaches a much wider audience with that partnership. But one of the things that um, in her first book, which is titled, I thought it was just me. Um, but it isn't making the journey from what will people think to I am enough. That was Brene's first book from a while ago. And I've read all of her books, but I did them backwards. And I found that this book is to me the you best. You started with Return of the Jedi and then you went to Empire Strikes <laughs> yes. Back and now you're on Star Wars. In your world, that's how, that's what it would be. Speaking of Star Wars. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Okay. So, so anyway, in this book, she uses the, uh, the word critic the words critical awareness to describe how we can step back from the things we're struggling with to really understand why we're struggling with it and if it's even necessary and you and I talk about this a lot on the show I just like how Brene 
uh, whittles things down to two words and makes it easy. A lot of times I talk about like stepping back and getting the big perspective on something um, instead of just assuming something is the truth or instead of just accepting something to be a certain way without without getting a broad perspective. I'll give an example. A lot of women and men, but I think more women struggle with the way they look, right? Mm -hmm, I think there's some statistic about like, there's only like 10% of women who are happy with the way they look. Right. Um, Which is sad. Which is ridiculous. I mean, because we're not all supposed to look alike. And that's the big thing is that the critical awareness piece is to step back and look at why we think that. And the reason we think that, and there's many different levels to this, um, there may be things that were said to us or told to us, but really the big picture is what are the images that are projected to us on a continuous basis? What do we see on TV? What do we see on billboards? What do we see on magazines? And we somehow have this belief system that we are supposed to look like that. Mm-hmm. Yet the critical awareness piece is those people don't even look like that. Right. Those people have been ma- their job is to look like that, meaning they've been made up, dressed up. Twenty people have helped them look that way. Then once the picture is taken, it's airbrushed, it's photoshopped, and it's changed to look like perfection. And then those of us who are walking around in the world not being photographed that way, we think that we are not meeting some standard of beauty. When the truth is, the standard of beauty is isn't even real. Not enough. People That's think they're not enough. Correct. Okay. And that they're constantly trying to achieve something that isn't real. That's critical awareness. So that is being able to, you know, to have that big picture. You're, you're kind of looking at me with your well, eyebrows. I'm wondering how do we apply this? Like how, how, okay, I'm with you so far. Right. Um, so is it just an awareness of, you know, to use your example, um, you know, body image, right? How do we use this information of critical awareness to help us from a day-to-day perspective? Well, because you can use it all the time. If you have a belief system, like, for example, I was just reading something um, online and some mothers were saying, I'm very concerned. You know, I think when there's a birthday party that my children should dress up and they should be dressed up for the birthday party. And I don't understand why other parents don't do this. And they were very upset about it. And again, this is a small thing, but I'm just trying to teach the concept rather than, you know... And for those moms or dads who believe that, I want them to step back from that and say, why do you believe that? Why do you think all children should be dressed up for a birthday party? I think it's because they, when they went to a birthday party when they were little kids, they got dressed up. Exactly. Or if they didn't, they were felt, uh, they were, you know, their parents made them feel bad about not dressing up. Right. It became their norm based on what their parents told them. So that's one piece of the critical awareness piece is that was just something in your world. That doesn't make it a truth for everybody. And then the other piece is, is what do you really want to teach your child or what do you want your child to understand? Mm -hmm. And telling them that they have to wear dresses to birthday parties, even if they don't like them or Mm -hmm. that they have to dress up for birthday parties is basically telling them that whatever you feel good in or whatever feels right to you forget about all that because you need to wear what other people deem appropriate you should wear for a party. And so again, it's not about, you know, if if you're listening and you're like, well, I dress my kid up for a party. Great. That's fine. Especially if they're on board with it. Why are you doing that? If you are doing that to make sure that you don't, um, you know, you're not looked upon as a bad mom for, but like, but there's a balance there too, because we insist that our kids, uh, comb their hair before they go to school. Comb their hair and brush their teeth. Those are the two things they need to, that they basically need to do. Right. So aren't we kind of subscribing to the same thing? Like, what, who cares if their hair is all messy? No. What's the intention behind brushing their teeth? 
I'm brushing their teeth so they don't get cavities, so I don't get a bill from the dentist. Yes, and so they have you know fresh breath, so their teeth is so their mouth is clean, so they have like you said, you know, so they don't rot their teeth. And then combing their hair. We have three girls with long hair, mm-hmm. and I know you don't do the hair thing, but if you don't comb your hair on a daily basis, it becomes like a crazy rat's nest. You know, <laughs> it's like you can't. You know, it's like you. So in it, other words, it's a like um, working out. Like if you work out every day, then you'll see some benefits of it. But if you like take a whole week off of brushing your hair, you're yeah. going to have some issues. And when we go on vacation and stuff, I kind of just let it go. And then the day that I have to brush hair or they have to brush hair, there's a lot of ouches going on. And the other pieces is also the way, and here's the other intentional piece, presenting yourself to the world. How do you want to present yourself to the world? Not about you have to wear the clothes that everybody wears. It's not about that you have to look like everybody else, but there's a presentation of yourself. What makes you feel good? Right. And the girls right now, you know, especially one of them is like, I don't care. I want my hair this way. And if we're not doing anything big, that's it's fine. But there's this, you know, this piece of going to school. Right. There's a, there's, you know, this is just what we do. Well, and like we take a, a shower, we brush our hair, we, you know, right. brush our teeth. Well, and it's a balance between, you know, if you put so much energy into the way you, uh, the way you look, that's at the expense of other things, of the internal intrinsic stuff that we right. talk about on the show so often. That's not good. Uh, but at the same time, if you look like a total schlep rock right. and you're not washing your face and you're, you know, you or your kid, you know, has got filthy, dirty fingernails or something. That's right. That's not good either. So once again, it's, it's, it's twofold. It's like, just like you said, it's a balance. And remember everybody, when Todd and I talk about these things, you got to bring in your common sense. Try not to go too far one way or the other, because if you want to argue these points, then you can, you can argue them all day. But the truth is, is that it's about, um, just like you said, you are going out into the world and part of the world is perception. I'm not worried about the people perceive that you have nice clothes, Mm -hmm. but I am thinking about you want to be presentable. Right. If you are wearing kind of a crazy outfit or whatever, but you have, you know, a clean smile and you've, you know, gotten yourself cleaned up, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a shower or you've combed well, your hair, then great. But there's that balance. Yesterday you know? we went to Chipotle. Yes. And I don't know what happened, but I don't think I showered on Saturday. Shocking. Sunday, which was yesterday, um, I didn't make it into the shower yet. I knew I was going to shower in the afternoon, but so two days, no shower. Right. I went to Chipotle, basically my pajamas and my hair was standing straight up. Right. That's such a sense of freedom. And this has really nothing to do with the content of what we're talking about, but I'm just so glad that I'm a guy who doesn't care too much about the way I look. Right. And I know you poor girls have a whole different bag of baggage. Bag a, of baggage. a bag of baggage? Yeah, a lot of baggage I, I, for you poor girls. I know, those heavy, bag, those heavy bags. It's just so free to be a guy. I'm so yeah. glad I'm a guy. Yeah, that's, well. That's my point. And, and I'm glad that you're glad. Well, I'm glad that you're glad that I'm glad. Well, and here's here's the, what I was going to say was that you, the, not all guys are like you. No, so you can't I'm generalize the this gender wise. I'm the opposite of a metrosexual. I have some friends who I can call out by name right now, and they iron their freaking jeans. Right. Why does why do guys iron <laughs> jeans? Cuz they want them to look presentable. I think they look stupid. Well, here's the thing, Todd. <laughs> Let's go back to this. Let's go back to intention behind it. If you dress a certain way because you want to look like this person or you think you should look like this person or you need to be perceived as wealthy or you need to be perceived in a certain way, then your intention is very different than this is what makes me feel good. This is how I feel like myself. 
this is what makes me Kathy today or Todd today. So it's not about everyone needs to just be messy and dirty all I the like time. Pig pen. You know. Pig pen from peanuts. That's my guy. So it's that balance in the middle. Like, you know, I have found watching my girls or even knowing myself that there's certain things that make me feel good. And some of them may be trendy and some of them may be not trendy at all. And some people may say, well, that's out of fashion or whatever, but I'm okay with that. And then at the same time, there's things I wear that are quite, you know, that may be expensive or others perceive as fashionable. So my point in saying that is like, it's finding who you are. It, the intention is, and that's what I want to help my children do is instead of impose, this is how you should look. This is what everyone expects. I want them to get a feel for what feels good to them. Trust themselves from the inside, not from the outside. And they may be influenced by the outside, which isn't a problem, but, but the outside should not dictate what you're, what you're wearing. That is what, that's the gist I'm trying to get to. So can we, uh, I want to talk about our first sponsor, but, uh, did you say that it was a good idea or a bad idea to talk about the car seats? Um, nah. You don't, I don't want really to go want there? To. Okay. No. All right. Maybe maybe another day. Okay. Um, so what's the deal with um, Helping Hands Maid Services? Yes. <laughs> As Todd would say, Helping Hands, they do maid services. They do do maid all services. Of, well, they do maid service all they over Chicago. They do an outstanding job. They do do an outstanding job. They come How here. How are your headphones doing? They're awful. Can you buy me some new ones, please? We'll see. Because they're all bent and crooked and they keep you. falling off. <laughs> I put these earphones on. Todd's like, they're fine. They're not going to affect the quality of the show. And I said, yeah, but they're really uncomfortable. They do you keep have falling off. Super ears? You know who had super ears? The bionic woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm finding from these. No, she, she did have super ears. Yes. And what did Steve Austin have? Everything else. Okay, are you telling me that the bionic woman only had the hearing? No, she could jump. Okay, I hope so. She could jump and hear really well. Did you know that the two of them, I mean, he had the eye. Yeah, he had Didn't the, he have the eye, yeah, the bionic the, eye? Yes, he did. Do you know that in real life those two dated for a while? I did not, but didn't um, Lee Majors marry Farrah Fawcett? Yes. And they were like... Fra- now, wait, am I wrong? Did the bionic man and the bionic woman date? I don't know. I may be making that up. Maybe our listeners can tell us. Yeah. That came into my head, but then when you what say Farrah Fawcett. What was the woman's name? Jane um, Austen? No. That would be an author. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of Pride and Prejudice and other such okay, things. Okay, we're screwing up our sponsor. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so Helping Hands, um, their website is helpinghandsmadeservice.com. Phone number is 630-530-1324. As clean as can be at home and at work. And before we get into the next topic, I need to do a quick um, happy birthday to my sweetie. Today's my birthday. It's your birthday. It's my birthday too, yeah. Say it's your birthday. Should we be singing? Gonna have a good time. I decided to stop for the last part because I realized that we're singing into the microphone. I know. That's okay. the whole point. I know, but I'm not sure we're good. Oh, are you kidding me? Forget okay. about it. Okay. Well, thank you, honey, for the Beatles. The big 42. 42. Happy birthday, sweetie. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. I feel very good about this year. I had a great weekend. Great day. You did have a great weekend. She had a girls weekend this weekend. Yes. A lot of friends in from out of town. A lot and of I my was besties. On, I was in charge of our three daughters, and we had a wonderful time. Yeah, I wish you would have been more busy with them. And we I'm, went, I'm being. We went facetious. to Great America, and we went to Michigan, and went inner tubing. And um, here's the deal: um, our middle daughter Cameron is kind of scared of roller coasters, right. and even like the kiddie roller coasters that she used to do. And I kind of so in Michigan, we our our family has a 
our cousins have a boat with an inner tube. And I just figured that Cameron would be scared stiff of hanging on an inner tube on the back of a boat in the middle of a lake. And I, they'd never experienced that before. And all three of them did it. And Cameron, I, I guess Skylar is most surprising because she was five. But Cameron's eight, and she loved it. She was giving you the thumbs up. So at the risk of getting into a different topic that we don't have time for today, I guess my only thing is I pigeonholed Cameron to be a scaredy cat with everything. Oh, and it no. turns out Gosh, no. she's not. She just doesn't like roller no, coasters. No, wait a second. I don't agree with you. You you are being overdramatic with that statement because we do Cameron is the one who gets on a stage and does theater. And I know. Sings but in I'm front thinking of about you, there, there's a correlation between a roller coaster and being on the back. Of okay, but you two. just said I pigeonholed her as being a scaredy cat of everything, and she's actually quite. She went to an overnight camp this summer. I know, but you're talking about all the emotional girl stuff. Oh my goodness! Oh boy! Oh my goodness! I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm talking about like uh, physical activities. Okay. And roller you coaster made the and assumption right. that she was afraid of all things that go fast or go upside down or go round and exactly. round. And she's not. So, yeah, I mean, there's different types of courage. Right. She has different got, types of bravery. She has great, she's got more courage than I do in many respects. Yeah. So, anyways, okay, that's, good. Just um, clarification. And I'm going to get killed for saying girly and emotional. You are, because, in, and you know what? I will cut you some slack to say this is the way our society talks. And right. so, and when you and I are joking around, we talk that right. way. But these are the trying, you know, these are the things we're trying to bring awareness to. Is that, and you weren't saying it negatively. No, you were just saying that somehow getting on stage or going away from your family is somehow a girly thing, and a man thing is doing a physical activity. Right. Oh my gosh, these earphones, Todd. They're like old bent. I know. Okay, our um, listeners don't care about it. I know, but they keep falling off. So the point is, is that you know there is there is really not. To define one as masculine and feminine, that's okay as long as we're not looking at the feminine things as being less valuable right. than the masculine. Right. Okay. Are we done with critical awareness? So I'll just sum this up because I, I don't know if everybody completely got it but the um, or I don't know if I explained it very well. I just think anything that's going on in your life that's troubling you or any assumptions that you've made either about your children or yourself or the world, you have to step back and look and say, is that true? That's a Byron Katie thing. Right. Um, she's an author about looking at something and saying, is that true? And if I believe it to be true, why, where did that come from? And really diving in. And that's the, you know, that's the critical, it's one thing to be aware. And then critically aware is where you look at all the pieces of it. How did it get that way? Why did my belief system get skewed that way? And really that's what therapy is, Mm -hmm. is critical awareness, taking a look at our belief system. So, um, I, you know, obviously highly recommend all of Brene Brown's books. Are there any other examples we can give? Cause we, we have eight or 18 minutes in the show. We're actually doing fine oh, on okay. time, but I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, oh no. I feel like you can do with anything, throw something out and we'll talk critical awareness with it. Um, I don't know. Something that you assume about the world. I assume that I am cool. <laughs> so you play the one that I like. Which one? Play the show that we always used to watch when we were much younger than now in our twenties. Oh, that one? Yes. Um, not that one. <laughs> Even though I do love Three's Company. What are you talking about? Um, I was hey, talking baby. That one. That one? <laughs> Settle down, Beavis. <laughs> there was a time when Todd and I both loved Beavis and Butthead. I think we were like 21. Anyway, okay. So going back to what I was saying, let's see. Um, critical awareness. Let's talk about the fact that we have a belief system that we should, oh, I know, that we should always be productive. 
that Ooh, we should constantly be busy. I suffer from that. I know. I think most of us do. I have an addiction to productivity. And our society, this is a big one because you could take this a lot of different directions. Why do you feel that way? Why do you feel that you should be productive all the time? And and really the, the key to this is being able to stop and look at it because what most people do is they just never stop. They make the assumption they need to be busy and they never question it. So stopping and saying, why do I believe that? Now, there could be different things for different people. Some people may have been told when they were young that they were lazy if they weren't doing things. Um, You may just view, you may have a role model that works really hard that you assume you have to work that hard to get what they have. I don't know. I think mine's more basic. I think that I am of more value when I am getting things done. So let's let's use critical awareness. Why do you believe that you are of more value if you are constantly being busy? How are you of more value? And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying let's you know. I talk am of this. more value because if I'm laying around doing nothing, it's not productive. <laughs> so well, let's put let's have some awareness around laying around and doing nothing. It's one thing to be laying around and playing video games, or, or and actually that's not always that bad. Sometimes that's fun, right? right. That brings joy into our life. Sometimes. It's got to be about balance. But the belief system is is if we are just a being, Mm -hmm. if we are just sitting around chatting or if we are doing something that's joyful or fun for Mm -hmm. us, that that is somehow lazy or unproductive. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I've been working on for a long time in myself, and I can't say I don't think any of us can ever fully be there, is understanding that being, B-E-I-N-G, you know, being there is just as important because the more that I learn how to be with myself and the more that I learn how to calm myself down, the more that I have awareness, the better I am for everybody else, the more productive I am in less time, and the more intentional I am about what I'm doing. If I never stop, if I never slow down, I never know why I'm doing anything. Well, Ferris Bueller said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you might miss it. Beautiful. And I'm working with a coach. His name is Tom Fuller, and he's helping me. Um, it's funny because you help me a lot, but sometimes it helps to have somebody outside of your, Agreed. you know what I mean? Your, your partnership. So he's got me journaling every morning, which is kind of funny because I don't like doing it, but it's, I think it's helping a little bit. And he wants me to write about, um, how do I become more heart centered instead mm. of brain productivity centered, right. centered. So I've been waking up every morning and jotting a few notes down and I think it's helping a little bit. So. Well, and I think we have to do that. Sometimes it doesn't feel natural. And so we'll use the words like it's too hard. Like people who are, who begin meditating or finding quiet, they'll say, Oh, it's too uncomfortable. It's too hard. And sometimes when you start something new, you have to understand it's not all going to be feel good. You right. have to be able to sit in that discomfort of not doing to then be able to reflect on why you need to do all the time. And there is a balance. Like, you know, you're right. If you're produ- productive, you're getting a lot done, but are you going in the direction you want to go in? Are you doing the things you want to do? And it takes being to figure out, you know, like sometimes, um, Todd, I just feel like you are just more comfortable in yourself if you're like checking things off your list. Well, my problem is, um, I will have a day where I, you know, spend with the girls or reading a book. And I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about my to-do list. Yes. You're like, I'm not, I got to get through this. But what's so weird I is if this. I ha- I mean, it's so, I'm so screwed up in that, no. in that respect. I know okay. you, I knew you're going to get mad at me for saying that, right? but the end of my day is better knowing that I worked hard for my job. I did well with this. I did well with that. And if I sat in meditation for half an hour, I'd be like, oh, think of all the things I could have gotten done. Okay, that's crazy. I know. And I'm just telling you the way my brain works. No, the first part of what you said is not crazy, meaning at the end of the day, it feels good to be productive. Mm -hmm. But we have to redefine what it means to be productive. 
30 minutes of sitting in quiet, do you know what that does for you physically? It lowers your stress levels, which lowers your inflammation in your body. It makes your mind more clear so you can be more patient for your children. It allows you to have all these maybe desires or dreams come into your head. Like when I go meditate on something, it's because I can't get clear about something. And then it rises to the surface. It's like what you need comes up. So the 30 minutes is what allows you to be who you want to be in the world. So how have we as a society come to believe that that's not productive? It's an addiction I have. And and, and, right. and I have the awareness. And it's not like I'm like that all the time. No, there, you're not. There's days where I am completely at peace with lounging around and doing nothing. But there are other days where I'm like, well, I'm wasting my day if I don't do that. But so. see, here again, we're talking about extremes. Being is not a full day of lounging around and doing nothing. You may want to be productive in some ways. You may want to get some things done, but it's incorporating. This is where our society is not incorporating the quiet and the stillness and, you know, into your day and knowing that that's just as productive. Like this weekend, I was with my girlfriends from college and we have no problem talking for hours and hours and hours. Wait a second. You and your girlfriends don't have a hard time talking? (laughs) No. Okay. And we would get somewhere and like, you know, maybe for a lunch or get to my friend's house and and we'd talk for three hours straight and not even know where three hours went. Mm -hmm. There is some people or maybe even a time of my life where I'd be like, oh my God, we need to go do something. Why, you know, we need to... I recognize that that is life right there now. Those three hours talking with them brings me joy. It brings me peace. It allows us all to process. It helps us catch up. That's some of the most productive time I spent right. that day. That was productive. So we have this belief system belief system that only doing right. equals productivity. Where being in, and being in relationship with yourself and other people is vitally important, not only for your, your own wellness, but then you present to the world better and you are more productive in a... Um, intentional way. Mm-hmm. So it's not about you, you're only being if you lounge around all day. Right. I wouldn't feel good doing that either. Well, and I'll give you one example, and then I want to talk about our second partner okay. and then move on to the next subject. Um, there was a day a few weeks ago, and you know, we all struggle with this. You struggle, but there was one day where I was really impressed. It was one of those mornings where kids are running in four different directions and work, you had all these different things going on. And instead of continuing to check things off the list, you went upstairs and did your 15 minutes of quiet Right. At, in a moment where it was as chaotic as it's been in the last month. So you were smart enough, you were intuitive enough to know that this was the best thing for your day. Right. And man, that takes a lot of discipline. And I'm sure there's days when you don't do that, yeah. but that morning you did do that. And my guess is your day, and I don't know, even know if you remember the day or not. No, I don't. But I'm guessing your day went a lot better by doing that. Well, and I think I've learned through practice that my day does go better when I meditate and when I do forget or I don't do it. And sometimes it's not that I forget, I just choose not to because right. I'm in the, you know, the throes of my computer as mm-hmm. we all are. But one quote that I love and this may not be the literal quote, I'll just translate it. If you feel that you don't have 15 minutes to meditate, then meditate for 30 minutes. <laughs> you know? Right. What that, you know, what's, or, you know, change my numbers. If you feel that you can't meditate for five minutes, meditate for 15. And the point, obviously, I know that you're all smart people, but is if you really think you don't have five minutes in a day or 10 minutes in a day, then you need that time to quiet down. Can I share another saying that has nothing to do with what you just said, sure. but is no less um, important? Yes. And it's a Native American saying, and I'll try my best to say it the right way. Um, the most important time to plant a tree is um, 20 years ago. 
<laughs> the second most important time to plant a tree is right now. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, obviously, because, like, it would be nice to have another full tree in our yard. Right, right. And the most important time to have that would be 20 years ago because it has 20 right, years ago. Right, then we'd have a full tree, But right? the second most important time... Is right now. Is right now. It's And you know what it reminds me of, what brings to my attention is something that we heard Wayne Dyer say one time. There was a woman who was about 40 years old and she wanted to go back to school and do something new. And she said, but I'm just too old to go back and do that. And he said, well, you know, how old are you now? And she said, 40. And he said, how long will it take? And she said, it'd be two years to go back to school. And then he's like, help me with this. He said, well, at 42, you'll be done. Right. So you deciding right now, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm doing this justice. No, I I mean, it may not be as poetic as you want it to be, but your point is no less important. Like at 42, you'll be done and you'll be doing what you want to do. But instead here at 40, you're saying you're too old and you're telling yourself a story and making assumptions Mm -hmm. without critical awareness, what we were just talking about, making assumptions that you're too old, buying into all these stories and these misperceptions about who you are and what you can do. And two years from now, you'll be doing what you love. But instead, you're just... You're not doing anything. And I think that's the thing is, is instead of saying, I wish I was a meditator, you know, I wish I could find time for quiet, do it right now Mm -hmm. for five minutes. And then you are, it's not something, it's not a club you need to join. And I think, and you know, this is a reoccurring theme and hopefully our listeners don't get sick of hearing us talk about it, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be a formal meditation. Maybe it's playing the piano, which is something that I started doing since working with my with my coach, and I want to give him a plug just for kicks, uh, TomFullerCounseling.com. He's somebody I've been working with over the last five or six months, but uh, that wasn't the plan. That that came out, because I, uh, for those of you who listened to our show since the beginning, I started taking piano lessons, and then I stopped for like a year and a half. And then since I've been doing this um, journaling, all of a sudden I find myself playing the piano again. So yeah, that exercise led into this one. My point is it doesn't have to be a formal meditation. It could be drawing. It could be piano playing. It could be sitting on a chair, you know, listening to the birds. Because well, I think formal meditation. And, and you know what? You take the word meditation and put a different word, finding quiet, being in stillness, practicing quiet. But here's one thing that I do want to say about what you're saying is that I agree that playing the piano is so huge mm-hmm. as far as like getting out of that to-do list and doing something for your creativity and for your soul. Don't I, I feel like you're about to dog my piano. No, 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 I'm not. But I do, when people say that to me, because like my students, when I was trying to help them find time for quiet, they'd say, you know what I did last night? I laid in bed and listened to my earphones and it was great. That's not quiet. You're still doing something where other people are talking to you. If you're playing piano, you're still concentrating on playing piano. Those things are good, and that is time for quiet. But the kind of quiet I'm talking about is where you're just with yourself. Right. And that is a different thing. And what I'm talking about are like moving meditations. Like sure. I consider basketball a moving, a moving meditation. meditation. Absolutely. And that's self-care, which is something that we obviously preach about all the time. Yes. Um, so it's, of course, if you could have it all, you would do this and that. Right. All I'm saying is for the people who don't have the discipline, like me, to sit in quiet for 10 minutes a day, piano playing is a pretty good second. Absolutely. Finding something where like sewing or knitting or right. playing basketball, like you said, or going for a walk. Absolutely. Right. And it's especially helpful is if there is 
no other sounds or other people's voice getting in your head, then you can actually hear yourself. Right. And so maybe I'll retract what I said and just say that, you know, all those things could maybe do the exact same thing that what quiet does for me. Like I really shouldn't judge what other people right. do for their own Well, we're just sense exposing a few different yeah. things. Yeah, um, you're right. And you have your interpretation and I have mine and right. the listener has theirs. So. Right. Um, let's talk about uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, please. All right. Uh, Tree of Life, they are chiropractors, Dr. Ke- chiropractor, Dr. Kelly. Uh, her website is chirotree.com, phone number 630-941-8733. Let me that. do that again. 630-941-8733. And I think my mom is going to Dr. Kelly. Really? She keeps talking about it. Talk. She's talking the talk. She's talking. And I know she listens to the show. She needs to start walking the walk. Well, and remember, everybody, if you listen to this or if you go to a chiropractor, uh, you already know this, but chiropractic is not just for a bad back. It's for overall wellness. It's for... Um, having, you know, dealing with headaches or dealing with ear infections with your kids or just wanting to feel good. Like we go every week now just to do preventative care. I don't need to wait until I'm in pain to go see Dr. Kelly. It's preventative and it's taking care of myself. I decided that our show is going to be broken up into movie lines. Like every time we introduce a new segment, instead of saying, hey, here's a new segment, we're going to do a movie line. So I'm so curious what you're going to pick. Um, I want to do this one. I'd say in a given week, <laughs> I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, <laughs> actual work. And you know what? What? That movie is so good. Oh, my god! And I don't even know if that's the best quote from that movie, but it's pretty darn good. Hold on, one more. You know what? I will have some meatloaf. Let's have some meatloaf. You want some? <laughs> I knew you'd go, hey, Mom! <laughs> The meatloaf! <laughs> we want it now! The meatloaf! Oh, my God. But he doesn't say, I don't know what she's doing, doing back, back Well, there. I think I had to cut that out because he swears. Oh, okay. All right. So are we moving on to our next thing? So last week, we talked about this article by some dude named Stephen Cohen. Okay. And he wrote... Some dude. He's a medical doctor yeah. who has taken a more integrative approach to medicine where he's also an acupuncturist and many and other things. the name of it is called 11 Things I Wish Every Parent Knew. And last week, we went through three of them. So today, we're going to go through a few more. We'll put it in our show notes. And I, I said this last week, but our show notes, I'm putting a lot more of time into it to make sure that it's easy for you to be able to refer back and see something that we talked about. Find so. what you need. And if you can't listen to the whole show for some reason, you can actually go to the time marker. That's right. We put a timestamp on it too. So if you don't have 45 minutes and you want to just hear what this guy says, um, you know, we listen to, you know, we're talking about the 33 minute and 46 second mark. So anyways, um, so the next one, oh, I'll, should we read the three we did last week or no? Uh, sure. First one, growth and development are not a race. Okay. Number two is creating family traditions encourages strong roots and a, fa- and a healthy life. And number three is we grow in cycles. So number four is encouragement is not the same as indulgence. What's your two cents about that? Well, you know, I think that there was this book that came out a couple of years ago called Nurture Shock by Poe Bronson, and it was an excellent book, great information. But what what unfortunately happened with it is I think a lot of people started to make the assumption because he talked about how praise can be bad right. for our kids. Right. Now, what he was talking about, that praise can be bad for our bad, I'm putting that in quotes, for our kids, if we are doing it without it being real mm-hmm. and true, and we're doing it to have our needs met, So, for example, like telling our kids things like, oh, you're great at everything. You're perfect at everything. Oh, everything you did is great. Or you could say like, oh, you're really great at math and the kid sucks at math. Right. And they don't say it. Exactly. And and 
that we started to take. So after that book came out, the headlines that I would see is praise is bad for your kids. So people started to think that they couldn't praise their children for things anymore or else they were going to harm them. This is what happens in our society. We get these sound bites and then we take it very literally and we take it to extreme. And here's the thing. This, This number four, encouragement is not the same as indulgence. Encouraging your child and praising them for things that you are actually seeing that they're doing. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if it's balanced with them understanding really, you know, themselves and real life examples of where they have challenges. And encouragement is not doing it for them or telling them that they can do everything perfectly. It's letting them know that they have the courage, ability, um, bravery. They have it inside of them to do whatever they want. Help them uh, bring out what's already inside exactly. of them. Exactly. Beautiful. Thank it was you. great. I am, I am great. Help them bring out what's already inside of them and that... You are, you know, it's like, um, you know, you balance it. Like I, I've said this before on the show, like I love, I heard an interview with Michelle Obama one time where she was talking about that she has the girls make their own bed in the morning because her belief system is, is that um, the girls need to have an understanding of how to make their bed in real life. You know, she doesn't want maids doing that for them because she wants them to do that themselves. And then after they make them beds, their beds, she can say, you did a great job, you right. know, good job on doing that, getting that done. But they still did it, and all she's saying is good follow through and good job. And that, or like for example, a lot of parents will say to me when I talk about gratitude with our kids, I'll give an example of you know your children bring their plates into the kitchen and they set their plate down and you can say thank you. And parents will say I'm not going to say thank you because I expect them to mm. do that. You can have expectation and also have gratitude simultaneously. Right. You can expect that they're going to bring their plate in, but let them know thank you. Let them let them know thank you. Let them know k n o w that you are thankful right. for what they're doing um, because it, you know you and I talked earlier like years ago on the show years ago isn't it fun to say that yeah, it is. about how you in our family you're in charge of garbage usually every once in a while I do it but you're in charge of it and when you do it I will still say thank you and you didn't for a while and I don't know you did some type of you you realize the importance of, of gratitude, gratitude of day-to-day minimal small acts of yeah. love and how important they were. And I wasn't saying you do the gr- garbage perfectly every time and oh my gosh, well, you know, I owe you so much cuz you I wasn't being over the top and my intention wasn't for no, you, you to said like thank, me you more. Said thank you. It was just thank you. Right. And so we have to have this common sense with um because what happens is oh, there might be a spouse who says, you know, I, I never get appreciated by my spouse. Right. And then you ask that person what do you do to show gratefulness or gratitude? And they're not doing anything. Right. Somebody's got to make a shift. And we've talked about that before. Totally. Like someone in the partnership has to make the shift in practicing gratitude. And instead of waiting for the other person, which is basically hoping that you can control someone else, why not you start? Mm -hmm. Why don't you start saying thank you? Not in a way where you feel where it's, unauthentic, but in a way where you really do have gratitude. A lot of times we don't want to do that because we feel vulnerable Mm -hmm. and we feel that if we, if we show someone that we're thankful that they somehow have power over us, I don't believe that. I mean, I feel like it's more powerful to practice gratitude. Again, that's a critical awareness. Step back and say, is that true? That if we're thankful that someone has power over us? No, no, no. You may have been told that maybe you saw that in your home, but practicing gratitude is empowerment. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing about encouragement is not the same as in Indulgence. He actually says encouragement means putting courage in your child, not doing things for him. When my girls come home and they have a test, I may help them study 
like I'll say things to them, but I'm not going to do it for them. I'm not going to do a project for them. I'm going to let them know that they have the ability to do it to the best of their ability. Right. They may not get A pluses either, right. but I'm going to let them know that they're best, you know, and, and they have to kind of figure out what that is. And we have to be able to encourage them and also accept them simultaneous. I mean, you know, I, I, at nauseum, we say on this show, it's a balance, mm-hmm. you know, it's not an extreme. It's right. a balance. Okay. Um, well, here's the deal. I think we need to go through one more of these, but okay. then we have to wrap it up. Oh, so we can't do three today? No, okay. but, but the next one is a big one. It's number five is pushing your buttons is a spiritual practice and children are our spiritual teachers. Amen. What do you think of that one? Well, I, you, you probably know, do you really want me to go into it or I do. do you want to? Okay. So everything I used to write, or I still write about this, but my first book, The Self-Aware Parent, um, I the whole gist of it was how now that I've had a child, and this is when my first daughter was really young, how I really began to see myself clearly and how I started to understand why I was impatient, where I was impatient, what things bothered me, um, how I could get my buttons pushed. And a lot of that came from my relationship with my baby, mm-hmm. where I just know, I started to recognize myself through my experiences with her. And as my children are growing, that becomes more clear as they're getting into situations where, you know, now they're older and so maybe it's an issue in a relationship with their friends or an issue with school or being late or grades. And if it pushes my buttons, what I realize it's not about them. It's about me. Why are my buttons being pushed? And we can blame our kids and say, he did that, she did that, it's their fault, they're making me feel bad, they're making me feel guilty. But the truth is, is if big emotions are coming up, it's probably something we need to work on in ourselves. Can I be devil's advocate? Please. So let's say we have a rule of no drinking pop in the car. We okay. don't even drink pop. Let's say we did. And all of a sudden, they know the rule, and they are drinking pop in the car, and they spill pop all over the floor. Yes. How is that a spiritual practice? Well, I look at it again. Criti- I think that's just something bad, and, and I'm totally being devil's advocate, right. so I'm trying not to paint you in a corner. No, no, I feel but fine. But sometimes things just happen that get you mad, okay. and it's not a spiritual practice at all. What do you think? Well, I think there is a spiritual practice in that. I think if you pull back from that, part of that is exactly what you said, where they spilled pop, it's not okay, maybe there's a consequence, they need to clean it up, et cetera. But our response to it, everyone is going to respond differently to that experience. People, parents who feel like they're never heard, maybe who had parents who didn't listen to them, or a spouse or a partner who doesn't listen to them, or they're at work and they don't feel like they're listened to, their response to their child bringing a pop and spilling it, even though you had already told them not to, Mm -hmm. they may have an extreme reaction to it because they'll be feeling like, no one listens to me, and now you don't listen to me, and nobody listens to me, and they get very angry about it. Or they have an issue with being angry where they don't feel comfortable in anger so it becomes guilt and shame instead or sadness. And it's not about the literal. Mm -hmm. It's about your response to it. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes our response to things is out of whack. And sometimes it's very well balanced and sometimes it's too minimal where we're not having a response because we don't want our kids to be mad at us. You know, that crazy, like too much, you know, rope where we're like, we want to be their friend. So it's like finding that place. Like, how am I responding to this? This is the thing about the spiritual practice with kids. You can do just a couple of these a day where something happens and you notice your response. You don't have to be use every no, occurrence throughout no. the day for it to be your spiritual. No, or else that's all you'd be doing. But maybe you take one or two instances right. within a day. And maybe the, maybe the reason I brought up that example was in the last lecture, Randy Posh. Remember he had the example of, I think he was with his kids, and he took a can of pop and dumped and it dumped all it. over yeah. the seats of this beautiful car he had. Right. 
And it's so funny he did that because I think what he was teaching is it's just a thing. It's it, And there's another thing that you can learn is if you are, fr- again, I keep saying critical awareness, but that's what this show is about. If you were freaking out because they spilled pop on the floor, what does that mean to you? The fact that they spilled pop, is it that they didn't listen? Is it that now you have a dirty car and people will think you're, you're not perfect? Mm-hmm. Is it that you're embarrassed to let people in your car because your car is supposed to look a certain way? Is it that you've put so much pride in this car that you don't have an appreciation for that you know, kids make mistakes and this is a family car. We were, my friends and I were joking about how there was a time in, in homes where there, and maybe it's, it's still the case. It's just not in ours where there's like a room that nobody uses, Mm -hmm. like that you can't go in Mm -hmm. that needs to look perfect and like has the perfect vacuum cleaner marks on it. And you can't walk in there. And what is that? It's like Cameron from Ferris Bueller's day off. Totally. His house was like a museum and he couldn't touch anything. anything. And he was pretty anal. And stepping back from that, why do we do that? We do that for show. We Mm -hmm. do that. So people think something we do it. So we feel in control and we are missing out on living. So I think you can do the, you know, this one pushing your buttons is a spiritual practice with absolutely everything. And our kids are little Buddhas that live with us that remind us about what's most important in life. And either we are open to that and we are open to seeing ourselves and them more clearly, or we're just going to fight this battle and suffer thinking it should be different. All right. Um, We are going to continue with this discussion next week regarding the next uh, six things that are on his list. A uh, few things to that we need to talk about. One is tournament of bad. Okay. Actually, what about avid? Oh, avid, avid six three zero nine five six eighteen hundred painting remodeling all over the Chicago land area. Give them a call. They are an amazing general contractor that work in the uh, Chicago land area. They're doing my parents' kitchen floor right now, and, my, they're, and they're so excited about my parents. And they're doing a bathroom floor for me. And they're doing a deck for us soon. Eventually. <laughs> We're just keeping them busy. We're working on it. <laughs> um, and I want to do another... Let's do this one. Mm. I love scotch. <laughs> I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. Down into my belly. Do you really love scotch? Because I don't. I drank scotch one time. Oh, it no. wasn't that bad. I don't like scotch. All right. Uh, so, Tournament of Bad. We're at Great America. And what's with the... Um, uh, human size, life size, <laughs> stuffed animals that people win. Honey, they're not human size. They are like quadruple. Like of a they human. can't even fit it into their car. People can't carry them around. I know, but they do. Like I, I just don't understand. I don't like, either. What makes you think that that's a good idea? <laughs> I don't get it. Well, what makes you think that winning it is fun, and what makes them give those as prizes? I have no idea. They're huge, these things. And it was funny. Like, I think the better prize is a smaller one that you could put on your bed and snuggle with, not the huge ones. Well, and and again, but see, in this this country, bigger is better all the time. And the bigger it is, the more powerful you feel. But it's funny, because we were on a ride. We were in line for the demon, um, which got stuck, by the way. Yeah, we got stuck on the demon. We got stuck on the demon, because it it malfunctioned. But um, it was, this guy was walking walking through line with one of those teddy bears. I'm like, what are you going to do with it? Have it ride with you? Yeah. And I don't think it'd fit in the seat anyway. <laughs> so it just cracked me up. Um, and then, so, all right. And then uh, call to action. Um, I'm sticking with this iTunes thing. We have 94 reviews. Yes. Let's get to 100. We want to get to 100. We're selling Kathy's books off for half off if you give us an iTunes review. So if you give us an iTunes review, email me at comments at zenparentingradio.com. 
and this is the last week. Let us know, yeah, isn't it for the books? We were just going to do it through July. We'll see what happens. Oh boy! And then um, also, I, I would love to increase the amount of people that like us on Facebook. So if you listen to the show and you happen not to like our Facebook page, please uh, like it and then share it with your friends. And we share a lot of stuff on that page, so I think you'll like it. That's right. If you haven't liked it, um, and I think oh WGN, you're going to be on WGN this Saturday. Yes, talking I am. about. I'm going to be on at 10.20 a.m. Chicago time with Bill Mahler. Um, he's our friend. He's a great guy. Good show. And um, we're going to talk about boys. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about the need for, I know not everyone loves us, but emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. um, which I can you know just basically talk about how our, um, our boys need to have us give them a... What am I trying to say? This is what I'll do on the radio. I'll just say, what am I trying to say? They need to understand that their emotions are important. They need to have an understanding that compassion is just as important as what they uh, they believe to be physical strength is most important. But um, aspects of empathy and compassion are just as important. And then redefining uh, masculinity. But last, yes. we have um, a free parenting class we're going to do on August 12th at 5 o'clock at the Daily Method in Elmhurst. It's free. It's free. So just come on over and listen to us talk about um, surviving middle school. So if you have kids who are going into middle school in the next year or two, bring them, bring yourself on over. All right. So this is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Uh, Have a great week.